Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Future Brew right here on MazeandBrew.com. Hope you all had a good 4th of July. I sure did. And uh, I hope my uh, two co-hosts in today did as well. Steven Ostentoski and John Simmons. John, how you doing, man? How, how is everything treating you over there in New York? You have a good 4th of July? Yeah, it was good. Went up and visited the girlfriend and. Niagara Falls, got to see some fireworks, walk around, do some hikes. It was a good weekend. Good stuff. Steven, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. Kind of took it easy this weekend. Stayed in inside my home, uh, avoided the heat. But uh, actually, no, I did a 5K this past. Uh, so um, much for that. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I tried to block out the uh, the pain from that. But no, it was good. It was a good weekend but stuck around the area and a little bit more relaxing uh, outside of the 5k. You you didn't get lost this time. Did you? It was hard to man. It was a tiny little town. Uh, So if I got lost, I'd I'd be concerned for my, I'd be seeing a doctor if I got lost in that 5k, but yeah, no, all good. All good. Excellent. Well, Good to have you back. I'm glad you all had a good time. I sure did, too. Uh, Let's get into some Michigan football recruiting. We're going to start with uh, the first commitment here uh, from this past weekend, 4th of July weekend. And uh, that comes uh, from three-star tight end Colston Loveland of the 2022 class committed uh, this past weekend. He's uh, 6'5", 230. He's from the state of Idaho. He's number 584 overall on the composite. He was uh, offered by Jay Harbaugh back in April and then about a month later put Michigan in his top seven list, which uh, 
Also included Alabama, Boise State, Colorado, Oregon State, Arizona, and Arizona State. He also picked up a couple recent offers from LSU and Auburn. So Michigan definitely beat out some good competition here. He officially visited Michigan last month. And uh, not long after that is when all those crystal balls kind of came in for the Wolverines. So it, it seems like the visit kind of put Michigan instantly at the top of his list. Steven, I want to start with you, my friend. Uh, we talked about him last week and his uh, his recent visit. The kid is a former wide receiver, hit a growth spurt. And like I mentioned, he's at 6'5", 230 now. Obviously, it has some more muscle and weight to put on, but pretty much everything you could want out of a prospect at his position uh, this far into him playing the position. And 24-7 Sports' uh, Brandon Huffman compares him to Austin Hooper, who is a, a pretty good tight end in the NFL now with the Browns, says that he's able to stay in line and block or split out wide and match up against linebackers or defensive backs. He calls him a natural pass catcher, has soft hands, good crisp routes and ball skills to go high point it. So uh, uh, along with the fact that he is also a, uh, a good basketball player in high school as well. So multi-sport athlete uh, hasn't played the position long, but the potential is certainly there uh, for Loveland for sure, Stephen. Yeah. And I, I like that he plays basketball because sometimes with these guys, I worry, at least my initial worry is, can he really bulk up into a uh, tight end shaped guy, right? He has wide receiver skills. He started out at the position. Will he be able to be a serviceable blocker? And that's all you need. If you're a, a, a wide receiver first and then kind of add the tight end skills to it, all you need is for him to not be a detriment, right? Just a serviceable blocker. I, I kind of put him in like the Jake Butt mold where Butt was, you know, a, a true uh, elite threat as a receiving tight end serviceable blocker. Right. And that's why he got to the NFL and uh, did as well as he could. So um, because he plays basketball, not only does that show the versatility and skill set that he has and um, work on a lot of your hands in, in basketball as well. So, um, but, but the weight aspect, it, it you're in motion quite a bit. It's hard to add a lot of good muscle throughout the basketball season. Um, so it's not like he had the time to spend all, all winter in the weight room to bulk up for football season moving on, right? He was focused on basketball. So once he does have the ability to focus strictly on football, I, I think that's going to lend itself really well to building the appropriate muscle and focusing on the skill set necessary to block. Cause he has all the other skills. You already mentioned the soft hands, really crisp routes, um, truly a riser in the ranks. So yeah. uh, I'm most excited to see his development compared to a lot of other guys, because um, when you get guys, like I said, who, who compete in multiple sports, um, they're going to have more rapid development than almost anybody else because they'll finally have that ability to, to hone in on one sport and develop those skills that uh, maybe were just on the back burner uh, while they were playing basketball. John, I want to get your thoughts on all of that as well, just the potential that he has, but also wanted to ask you now that Michigan has two tight ends in this class uh, with, with Loveland joining three-star Marlon Klein, uh, who's been committed since last September but there is a still a big time player out there at the position four star Oscar Delp. They've been pursuing him for pretty much as long as any program has been at this point, but it seems like he might be leaning towards staying in sec country. I I've always kind of felt like Georgia has been the top school for him. That's where he 
lives is in the state of Georgia. And it seems like the Bulldogs have been out in front for months now. And if he ends up somewhere else, I, I would be kind of surprised at this point. So with all that kind of said, John, do you think Michigan is fully set at tight end now or, you know, moves on from Delper? Do you think that they should keep recruiting him since they've been recruiting him for as long as they have been? Yeah, I think that the staff will continue to recruit Delp, but, you know, it's going to be a lot harder now to convince him to join a, a class with two tight ends already in it. I think he's definitely worth still uh, pursuing, though, and and putting that effort in because he's such a uh, high-ceiling prospect. Um, but I think Mich- the Michigan staff thinks they viewed – or thinks they landed someone with similar skill to Delp in Loveland, and I think, you know – seeing those offers that he picked up late in the cycle, you know, he was on a run getting like LSU and Auburn uh, late in June, right before he committed to Michigan, I think shows that he was about to blow up on the trail and um, could be a potential in the right or riser in the ranking. So I think Michigan thinks they landed one of the top tight ends in the country already. So getting dealt would just be gravy, but yeah, I agree with what you said about him probably staying home. Uh, in Georgia, it looks like South Carolina is also making a move with him uh, lately, so they could be his primary competition now, but we'll just have to see how the Delp family uh, reacts to them taking Loveland. I know Delp took a really good official midweek in June, uh, but yeah, it's just tough to ask a guy to join the class with two tight ends already in, already in there. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it, it it's borderline impossible to to get three tight ends in one class uh, very difficult I know that Michigan kind of needs two tight ends in this class and it seems like they got two good ones the fact that Georgia who is the presumed favorite at this point they don't even have one in their class at this moment in time in this 22 class all the 11 of their commits they got a couple listed as athletes so off the top of my head I, I don't think these athletes are going to be playing tight end for them so I would anticipate Georgia still probably being the favorite and he being that guy uh, for the Bulldogs. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough to keep all those kids happy, but it's also at the same time, you got to get a guy that uh, you think also has that potential uh, in Loveland. And they, they certainly do. Like you mentioned, Michigan thinks that he's uh, one of the top tight ends uh, in the country. 24-7 has him as a four star in their own personal rankings, but the composite has him as a three star number 500 84 overall. So I would imagine that if he puts on a good senior season could rise up the ranks could potentially crack or at least get close to cracking uh, that four star status. So I will certainly see, Uh, but at at the end of the day, could pick up, got their second tight end. And uh, I I think they're uh, pretty set at the position now moving forward and they can move on to some other uh, key positions of need in this 22 class. Um, let's move on to a uh, second commit here. And uh, that is from Mario Uhino, a four-star uh, defensive end in this 22 class. Uh, he's listed at 6'3", 240. He's from Clearwater, Florida, uh, listed as the uh, number 282 overall player on the composite number 13 edge prospect. Uh, was also considering... A few other schools, uh, Iowa State, Oregon, Miami, Indiana, Georgia Tech were some other schools that he was really high on. Officially visited for Victor's Weekend, and uh, he's been a top target along the edge for the Wolverines since, really since offering him back in February once they got all the new coaches uh, in the defensive coaching room there. Had a monster junior season, had 
42 tackles, 20 tackles for loss, 17 of those 20 tackles for loss coming uh, from the sacks and uh, five pass breakups, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries and two interceptions too, which you don't really see a whole lot from uh, a defensive line prospects, but he got two anyways. So Steven, I'll toss it back to you. Uh, I mean, this kid is just a straight up athlete. He's got the numbers to show on the gridiron. He was named a top performer recently uh, at the Under Armour All America camp by 24 seven sports that was down in his a home state that was down in Miami. He also performs in the track and field. So he is uh, it, literally the definition of an athlete. If you could uh, flip the one in the dictionary, you probably see a Mario Eugenio is photo uh, right there. So a really good prospect and a good pickup for Michigan. Yeah. I'm really excited. Uh, Michigan picked him up just because I, I feel like we've talked about the edge position quite a bit and a lot of names have come up and Michigan's kind of been sorting through their board, it seems. And, uh, just a, a ton of names that we've had to parse through kind of. And he was uh, the one that I mentioned on the last podcast where he was the one that fit the edge position uh, perfectly. Um, there, there's no doubt about where he's going to end up in my mind. Um, it's always a good sign uh, when a recruit cancels uh, their last visit um, and decides to announce their commitment because he was uh, supposed to be, uh, going to Indiana this past weekend, I believe, and um, decided, nope, I, I know where I'm going to go. So uh, I was a little worried about Iowa State towards the end there, um, just because he was, uh, he did visit there before um, his decision. But uh, when you look at the crystal balls, uh, one of them is from Michael Swain uh, of Cyclone Alert. So uh, having having an Iowa State insider not flip a crystal ball after that visit kind of assuaged my fears a little bit, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, perfect edge type player. Uh, you mentioned track and field, so that versatility's there. The monster junior season, so he's another guy who is likely to be a riser in the ranks, but he's already top three hundred. So um, so yeah, I mean he he does a lot of things well. Only thing to really improve that I see is firing off a little bit lower, um, but you know, strength will improve and, and add some technique to that. He's got great hands and solid change of direction uh, and that bend that you look for, for a uh, edge type player. So, uh, you know, in, in terms of starting off the, the edge position, I, I'm of the frame of mind that it, it's, you can never take too many of those guys. Cause uh, if they do grow into a strong side defensive end, so be it, you'll need those. And, uh, in this defense, uh, the, the, that position is going to be extremely important. So uh, to start off with a guy who fits that position perfectly is is a great way to start the 2022 class. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he's certainly one of the guys that they've been pursuing for quite a while. Like I said, since they offered him back in February, they've been very high on him, got him in on the visit and uh, gave him the, the red carpet treatment when he got in town. So uh, they, they did a good job uh, sealing the deal with Eugenio for sure. So John, I want to flip it over to you because him committing to Michigan very likely helps with another prospect that Michigan has been recruiting for a while. And that's in state kind of two way lineman. I guess you could call him Dion Walker, who uh, he's, he's got the crystal balls in favor of Michigan at this point, 24 seven does. And Steve Lorenz put one in very recently for him. So, I mean, just reading the tea leaves here, I, I don't really think it's out of reach to say that a commitment for him could be coming sometime soon as well. So I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that and it, just as well as what you like about uh, Eugenio's game and what he brings to Michigan too. 
Yeah, I, I echo everything that Steven said about his game. He just looks like a pure uh, edge rusher. Uh, he has good speed. I like his first step. Um, and, yeah, his his uh, friendship with Deion Walker is very strong. Uh, they've made sure to visit together at Michigan. Um, and I think, you know, Deion Walker's been acting like he's been committed, you know, in social media and comments. He's made in interviews, things like that. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him commit and then to come out that he's been a silent commit for, you know, the last couple of months. So I think uh, Eugenio probably knows something. And, you know, after he canceled his uh, remaining trips, I think the, he, the visit to, to Michigan for the Victor's weekend was enough to, to seal it uh, for him. So I think that he's going to uh, eventually team up on a defensive line with his, with his good friend there. Is that where you think that he's kind of best fit too? Because in my opinion, I mean, he, he's a big boy. He's like six, six, he's over 300 pounds. I, I think he could fit anywhere really along either offensive or defensive line. He's, he's got that two way potential kind of like how Rayshon Benny did in the last cycle and uh, with uh, him playing at uh, a, a good football school, uh, high school, Kaz Tech, I mean, he's getting good experience, both offensive and defense. I, I personally think D-line is, is kind of where he's best set at. I want to get your thoughts on that, too. Yeah, it's interesting because he hasn't really made his preference clear. Like, Benny was being recruited for a while, at first a lot by as an offensive tackle, but then he kind of said that he wanted to be recruited as a defensive lineman, and Michigan was like, yeah, that's fine with us. Wherever you want to go, yeah. we'll recruit you there. So uh, he kind of made that clear to staffs. So I'm not sure if Walker has done that yet, um, but maybe, you know, with I think Eugenio will be an edge, so they won't be, the, you know, the exact same position. Uh, but I think, you know, if he wants to play, be around his friend more often, he could – go there, but then, you know, Raheem Anderson's on the, the offensive line at Michigan too, so who knows? Um, I think it, it's just going to depend on how Michigan's roster shakes out and if he's uh, amenable to switch, you know, if he gets on campus, maybe starts in the defensive room and, they, and you know, suddenly they need depth in O-line if, he's, if he wants to switch or if he wants to, to stay on defense. I think either way he can be successful, though. Well, regardless of what happens, I, I think this commitment here certainly helps with with his recruitment um, for sure. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't be shocked if he were a silent commit as well, just given that, I mean, he just seems all blue all the way. I mean, anytime you see any photo of him circulating on social media, if he's, you know, taking reps in a camp setting or wherever it was, I mean, it seems like he's always got some kind of Michigan gear on, which I know doesn't always mean – that he's a commit by any means, but it, at the very least, it seems like, you know, with the crystal balls coming in and now with Eugenio locked up and with him being an in-state player and a, a in-state player that Michigan is heavily pursuing and has been pursuing for a very long time. Um, they offered him a while ago and they've, they've been going after him ever since. Um, so it, yeah, I, I think this, this commitment here certainly helps. It definitely doesn't hurt. And, uh, yeah, it, it would just be like the, the, the icing on the cake if uh, he ends up committing to Michigan, teaming up with his buddy on the defensive line in Eugenio and uh, kind of going from there with the rest of your defensive line recruiting in this class. Uh, they certainly wouldn't be done by any means. They're still trying to rehaul that position um, entirely, it, it seems like. So uh, certainly off to a good start, though. Um, Steven, I'll throw it to you for the last word here, whether it be on Eugenio, Walker, a combination of the two. You got any final words here, bud? 
Can't teach size. Can't teach size, and Walker's got it. So, uh, so yeah, I like him on the defensive side, you know, just from his film thus far. But, um, but yeah, it, it's when you have that many arrows pointing in one direction, like you mentioned with him wearing the Michigan gear, having a good friend like Eugenio on board, uh, being in-state. There's a lot of arrows pointing in Michigan's way. So uh, I think even if you don't hear a whole lot, that that's probably good news, right? The, the Keep those arrows pointed in that same direction. Any deviation from that, any anything you do here is likely going to be um, in support of Michigan. I'd be shocked otherwise, but, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Th- things are pointing the right direction so far. Yeah, sometimes the silent recruitments are often the best. I, I often think back to like the, the Zach Charbonnet recruitment yeah, obviously Charbonnet was a lot higher ranked than Walker at the time coming out of high school, but it, it, you didn't worry about it. You didn't have to stress about it. You weren't like you weren't staying up late at night because of it. And uh, it, it I, in my opinion, I think it'll work out in Michigan's way, the way that it did for Charbonnet a few cycles ago. So we'll certainly see, but uh, good stuff and uh, certainly look for more commitments in the future. And uh, but before we talk about the uh, next few topics here, let's take a quick break. Talk about our sponsor here on Maze Brew Podcast, and that is Homefield, which is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the Midwest and Indy. And not only is their stuff comfortable, but it's officially licensed gear, so they do not screw around when it comes to their designs. And the cool thing about Homefield is that the team over there, they study every school's history, traditions, and legacies to create those thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university that they have. And they got some really cool original Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else. You can try, but you will fail. Whether it's t-shirts, crewnecks, whatever you need, they've got it to help you stay cozy. So if you're looking for some of that vintage apparel, go to homefieldapparel.com and use this promo code. We've been blasting at you guys for months now, MNB, as in Maize Brew, at checkout. You'll get 20% off the whole first order. So you can buy 10 t-shirts if you want and use that MNB promo code and you'll get 20% off that entire order. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Start shopping today. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We are back. Thanks for sticking around, everybody. We're going to wrap up our podcast today with uh, some more football recruiting news and a few top lists being put out uh, over the last few days here by some of Michigan's top targets. And let's just start in the defensive back room because that's certainly a position of need for Michigan in this 22 class. They've already got five-star in-state homegrown cornerback, Will Johnson, committed. They've got Cody Jones uh, also committed. 
um, four-star athlete, uh, whether it's at nickel or corner or safety, whatever they got him, but still looking for a few corners to finish out this 22 class and uh, a couple guys uh, that are right at the top of their board uh, recently have put out some top lists. And one of them is going to be announcing uh, their commitment probably around the time that this podcast comes out. Um, so jo- let's start with Jaleel Florence uh, right at the top here, three-star cornerback uh, from the state of California from San Diego. He's 6'1", 180, number 389 overall on the composite, put out a top three list on the 4th of July, which includes Michigan, Oregon, and Washington. Uh, so the Wolverines are going up against a couple powerhouses out West for his commitment. Uh, Florence was supposed to visit for Victor's weekend, but had to push that back um, to the final weekend in June instead and uh, canceled a trip to Syracuse in order to do so. And I talked with him not long after his trip uh, a couple weekends ago, and he, he spoke very highly of Michigan, left a very good impression on him. And it, it sounds like he's going to want to visit Oregon and Washington as well before making his decision. So um, let, let's incorporate this second cornerback though, into this conversation, John, because right as we were starting this podcast, essentially um, one of Michigan's other top targets at the cornerback position uh, put out his top three list and uh, is going to be announcing uh, this Wednesday his commitment. And that is Miles Pollard, a longtime top target from the state of Tennessee, uh, former teammate of Junior Colson uh, for a current Michigan linebacker. And uh, he is listed at 6'2", 185. Uh, again, has a very good relationship with Steve Klinkscale. Michigan's been recruiting him for a long time, a lot longer than what uh, Klinkscale has been with the Wolverines for. Obviously, you think that that probably helps in this recruitment, uh, but uh, he is number 432 overall on the composite and a crystal ball uh, was put in probably just about an hour ago from Sam Webb over at the Michigan Insider. Uh, So it looks like Michigan may be getting another commitment in the very near future. So, John, let's talk about those two cornerbacks here. Um, You know, I'll I'll let you pick your poison here. You you choose whoever you want to talk about, whether it's Florence, a mix of both. um, But Pollard certainly seems like good news coming there. Florence, it's going to be a little while before any commitment comes from him. So um, looking good with both cornerbacks, though, in my opinion. But uh, Pollard obviously being the one that's wrapping up his recruitment very soon. Yeah, and I think that gives Michigan makes Michigan much more likely to land Pollard. You know, the crystal ball from Sam Webb's always obviously always a good indication. But ever since Michigan got Clink Scale from Kentucky and Pollard called him, you know, his favorite coach that was recruiting him, I think it was pretty much uh, a when rather than if situation that he's going to commit to Michigan. And so uh, I think it's great that he set a commitment date that's uh, pretty soon. And uh, it all signs point to it being Michigan. It's still kind of crazy to me that he's only an 87 on 24 seven sports. You know, I bet a pretty good sum that that will rise by the end of the the 2022 cycle, which push him up into four star territory, I think. So, you know, just given all the schools that are going after him, you know, Oklahoma and Auburn is top three, but, you know, he's also considering Kentucky, Florida, Washington, uh, who, you know, all have really good track records with defensive backs. So I think that's a really good sign. Um, Florence, I think, yeah, we're going to have to wait a little bit. He's Michigan's the only official he's taken. He's looking at uh, 
a visit to Oregon in the fall and Washington, Washington in late July, like when Michigan will have the barbecue. So uh, I think it's tough to have the first visit and then uh, it'll be, you know, a few months after when he takes the, the other visits, just because, you know, it's, it won't be in the top of his mind anymore. But if Michigan can get him out on campus for a game, I think then they'll be uh, have a much better shot of landing him. Yeah, well, there there is some talk potentially for Florence visiting uh, Michigan for that game against Washington. So he'd be able to see two of his three finalists all in the same day. So that would certainly be good news if Michigan's able to get him back uh, for a night game. You would imagine that it'd be a sellout crowd, uh, probably the first real big sellout crowd since COVID. So I would hope that uh, the big house would be electrified and amped up for that game. So that would be good news to get him back for sure. It's going to take some time in this recruitment, like you said, wants to visit um, Oregon and Washington as well. But for Pollard, uh, certainly interesting. Michigan was the first school that he officially visited in June. And then the weekend after his Michigan visit, took that Oklahoma visit. And then the weekend after that, took the Auburn visit. So if uh, the crystal ball direction is uh, preaching the truth here, Stephen, uh, it, it really seems like Michigan left that impression on him. Uh, like it kind of seems like it did with Florence too, with his visit a couple weekends ago. So the fact that, you know, if, if the dominoes do fall in Michigan's favor, um, the fact that they were able to host him and then uh, he went and visited his two other finalists after that Michigan visit. I mean, that really, really speaks volumes to how Michigan is able to kind of seal the deal with these official visits. Like they have been uh, with a lot of these top targets. I know they've, they've, Swung and missed on a few guys, but overall, I mean, Pollard, I would imagine, is probably close to the very top of their board. I would imagine he's probably within, at the very least, the top 10. They've been recruiting him hard for a very long time. But good news, nonetheless, in both of these recruitments, Stephen, because they need some defensive backs to round out this class. Yeah, it seems like Pollard's in a better position as far as Michigan recruiting than Florence. I'm always wary of guys uh, from the West Coast who – have really solid, you know, I would say recruitments or relationships with guys uh, closer to home there just because it's such a long distance to cover. Um, And some recruits say it doesn't, you know, really matter. And and sometimes that is true. But uh, visiting for a game at at Oregon, um, it's going to come down to will Julio Florence uh, get a visit uh, to a Michigan game? I think that that's what needs to happen if Michigan truly wants a chance because, uh, as you said, the the atmospheres last year in in visiting a game are are going to be pale in comparison to what this year has to offer. So going to visit Oregon, you know, he talked them up, uh, childhood favorite for Florence uh, growing up. Um, so so getting a game in uh, at that stadium, you're going to need a visit to the big house to adequately um, compete with that just because there's a lot of emotion, a lot of excitement in seeing a game, especially after 2020. Um, It's just going to be Michigan could have done everything they could on this visit that he recently had and still fall short just because of the timing and sequencing of these visits. So Mm -hmm. um, for him to commit, just need to see him back at, at in Ann Arbor for a game. And then I'll, I'll feel a little bit better about their chances, but Pollard, uh, you said they've been going after him so hard uh, to have a crystal ball. Again, it's all about the sequencing, right? You mentioned the the earlier visit, and then he just had an onslaught of a bunch of visits to top schools. Um, for 
the crystal ball to come after all of those visits um, for, there was an article on, on 24 seven from Sam Webb as well. Uh, Greg, uh, Miles Pollard's father talked a lot about how these schools kind of compared to Michigan. And of course that could be the question of, of how the question was asked, but usually when team X is compared to teams Y and Z and the, uh, the recruiter, the recruits parent is comparing a lot of these schools to team X um, you know, Team X in this case is Michigan, and that's usually a good sign that they're the team to beat. Um, so it seems like this was just a thing where where they wanted to ensure that they were comfortable with Michigan kind of as the leader, and uh, that crystal ball seems to kind of back that theory up. So um, huge get. I mean, when you got Oklahoma pushing hard, you got Auburn there as well. There's, you know, it, it's clear that he's a priority to to quite a few schools. And as you mentioned, I think Clink Scale was really the the feather in Michigan's cap to seal that one. So I'm not saying it's sealed, but it's, it's getting closer to that point where I'm, I'm getting confident on it. Let's end on a bit of an odd note here, boys. And uh, you know, I don't mean to put a damper to this party, but uh, on the 4th of July, Michigan was cut from the top list for one of their other top targets in the class. That's right. It can't be all good news. It can't be all good news on this podcast all the time. Uh, the, the top list that they were cut from, was a four-star defensive lineman, Justice Finkley, who's the uh, Alabama prospect that we've been talking about for quite some time on this podcast. Fringe top 100 player on the composite and was a guy that they've been recruiting for nearly two years now. And he was originally going to cut his list down to four, instead cut it to three. And uh, those schools were Alabama, Texas, and Colorado. The fourth school was presumably going to be Michigan, uh, considering that he officially visited uh, not too long ago and raved about the program since being not only since this uh, past official visit, but since he was offered back in November of 2019, when he visited for that Ohio state game, but uh, Sam Webb over at the Michigan insider um, had a, a story about the reason why Michigan was cut from this list entirely. And he was saying how it was because uh, Michigan had told him that they liked him along the interior of the defensive line and uh, thinks that, that's where he was best suited. And obviously he disagreed, thought that he was best suited for the edge position uh, as the other three schools do who made his uh, final list at the end of the day. Um, but in, in my opinion, guys, if, if this is all a hundred percent factual and accurate, uh, I don't think there's any other way to rule it as Michigan botching this one. They, the, the guys over at 24 seven, they list him at six two two fifty five. Um, I, I guess Michigan had potentially measured him when they brought him in and he came in above six feet, not around six, two. Um, so I, I guess there's reason to believe that he could bulk up and play inside, but with him being a top talent in a state like Alabama, where it's hard to pull any kid, regardless of how highly ranked they are. Um, I, I just can't find any justification for why Michigan would turn him away just for the fact that they wanted him to be, uh, an inside player and recruitments like this, they could open the door for Michigan and uh, Michigan, like we've been talking about, they need defensive linemen in this class, whether they're an interior or an edge prospect. I think it's completely fair, honestly, to say that Michigan screwed this recruitment up. And, uh, Oh, by the way, while all of this is going on, Ohio state just landed another top defensive line prospect, um, uh, on the holiday in the 21 class, actually. So they have three incoming players in the top 10 alone and nine top 100 players in the 2021 class, and they already have seven 
top 100 players in the 22 class. So that gap that we keep talking about with Michigan and Ohio State, the recruiting gap, the talent gap, uh, missing out on Finkley doesn't help their case, and it's not going to be closed anytime soon. So, John, I wanted to get your thoughts on that before we wrap up the podcast because that kind of uh, rubbed me the wrong way when I read that report initially. What do you think, John? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's – I mean, on the surface, it's nice that they're, you know, being upfront with guys and telling them – you know, not just telling them what they want to hear and then uh, they show up on campus and putting them in a different spot. But it's also kind of uh, – a they're kind of switching up how they've approached these types of recruitments under Harbaugh. You know, I think back to like Zach Gentry in Harbaugh's first class, you know, he's coming in as a quarterback, you know, everyone kind of thought like, Oh yeah, he'll he'll eventually move to tight end. But, and Michigan did give him that shot at quarterback and then he did move and he turned into a draft pick. Um, You know, they will, they have in the past let guys, try out the positions that they think they they want to play before switching them to ones that I think they, that the coaches think they'd be better suited for. And sometimes it turns out like Gentry and sometimes it turns out, you know, like James Hudson, who came in as a defensive lineman, they moved him to O-line and he ended up transferring. Um, and then, or someone like Kingston Davis, who was a, everyone thought was going to be a fullback but he kept insisting he was going to be a running back. Michigan gave him the shot, but it just didn't work out. So I'm kind of – it is kind of interesting why – just to hear why Michigan wouldn't let Finkley, you know, start out at edge and then if it wasn't working, move down to defensive line. Um, you know, they could just be trying to prevent a transfer in the future, you know, with the, the transfer portal being a much more easy pathway to getting uh, – to be able to play early at a different school now than it was with those past cases. I think that probably played a factor. Um, But yeah, I think a guy with talent like Finkley, um, he's worth taking at the, at the edge spot and, you know, letting him try it out there for a couple of years, a couple of season or two. And then if it doesn't work out, you know, sit him down and say, we want you to move inside to be successful and hopefully he responds well. And if not, then he just enters the transfer portal and then you can fill a spot later. Steven, final word, man. What what are your thoughts on this? I I just, I I don't like how this all went down. What's, what's your, what's your opinion? I'm actually okay with it. It's kind of shocking. I know, but look at the 2017 class, Michigan had over the half that class, I believe transfer out and the 2020 season uh, bore the brunt of a lack of 2017 class. So I think this is a clear shift of Michigan prioritizing guys who will stick around, who understand the vision that you have for them and understanding that a high attrition rate um, with transfers, as John mentioned, the transfer portal is as open as ever now. Um, You know, I understand the talent that Finkley has and bring them in, but if it doesn't align with the vision you have for that player, your odds of him transferring in uh, kind of the landscape today is pretty high. And cutting down is on that and maybe taking a, a three-star who aligns with your vision, that's one more body that you can rely on and not one that uh, you have to spend a lot of effort to convince to stay on the team. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I get it. Um, high talent guy, so I hate to see him go. Um, but this seems more like a philosophical approach or a philosophical change for the program than anything else. That's fair. I do understand that case in point for sure. I mean, we, we, we could literally spend an entire podcast talking about this kind of topic of 
what kind of guy should they take? Should they take a three-star guy that they think fits their scheme over a five-star talent that is just athletic and crazy talented uh, that may not fit their scheme? But, you know, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, I certainly appreciate you guys hopping on, and I appreciate the listeners tuning in. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. John, where are you at, my friend? At Simmons underscore John. And Steven. At Steven Toski. And give Maze and Brew a like, follow on all our social media platforms, and be sure to rate, subscribe, um, You know, give us five stars on all our podcasts. We would certainly appreciate that as well. So for John and Steven, I'm Vaughn. We'll come back at you guys next week with another edition of Future Brew. Until then, go blue.